Hi guys, it's Grace, your host of the Because Why Not podcast. Well, today is September 11th. I just realized that when I started recording. Um, It's been 18 years since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, of course, and um, I hadn't thought about it today until I opened Instagram and saw some friends posting beautiful photos, new and old, of the New York skyline, and I just wanted to Um, just comment really on that for a minute and be with that for just a minute. Um, I did live in Manhattan when um, that took place and um, it was just as traumatic uh, as you can imagine. And um, of course, a lot of my friends were there with me and many still are. So I can't speak to what happened in D.C., but I can speak to what happened in New York, and um, it will stay with me forever, and it's it's hard to believe that 18 years have gone by. Um, so I'm for sure thinking about that day and that beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning um, and um, sort of just giving that a minute and thinking about and sending love and light to the people that, um, of course, suffered tragedies and lost people. And also to my people who I was with that day and who share similar feelings that I do, because it really is sort of a blueprint on your soul, having gone through that, um, in the city. So, That was heavy, y'all. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about today. I've been waiting to talk about this or just kind of, you know, touching on it briefly, wondering if I would find a time um, where I felt ready to devote a whole episode to it. Guess I knew that I would um, and have arrived in this place and I'm feeling super just happy and relieved and excited to be at this place where I want to um, do an entire episode about my sobriety. Um, So here we are. I want to talk about my sober curiosity, quote unquote, and that's how it started. And now I'm at um, over six months sober and celebrating that and really, I guess, celebrating it. I didn't think that it would be something that I was sort of marking time on or celebrating milestones. Um Uh, But I am, I do feel that way. I feel like, wow, I've done this and it is not something I've ever done as an adult and, um, you know, have never done that in the 25 years since I started drinking heavily and regularly. And um, so it is a major milestone because it is something that I have chosen to do and done very uh, deliberately and mindfully and thoughtfully and carefully and in in many ways, while it's hard to quantify experiences in your life and how challenging they are because they're all so different, I will say that making the decision to be sober curious was easy. Um, but in the times over the last six months that, um, it has been hard not to drink and I've made the choice not to drink in those moments. 
it has been some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life, ever. And so I want to, you know, congratulate myself for making it through those moments um, and sort of recognize this moment and talk to you about it openly and freely because I have learned so much in this time period. And, um, I realized that this, this podcast is very much a diary for me as much as it is sharing with you. It's a diary for me of these things I've gone through this year. And there have been so many peak and pinnacle moments. And I keep saying that about all of these changes that I've undergone this year and all of these things that I've taken on and um, moves I'm making and epiphanies I've had and the real (laughs) enlightenment for me, my own form of enlightenment that I've reached this year. And, um, and, and the podcast, of course, is a huge one and not drinking is a huge one. And they are two of the major peak pinnacle moments of my year. And so it's cool to be able to combine them uh, in this way and in this moment. So here we are. Oh, gosh, so many things I want to say about this. And I guess I'll just sort of free form as I do talk about what's on my heart about all of this sober stuff. So I read a book, um, at the start of the new year or even before I can't remember, but called, um, sober curious by Ruby Warrington. Who's a woman my age, who's British, who's lived in New York city for the last decade or more. Um, and was questioning her own drinking and started hosting sober events called club soda in New York and trying to create gatherings for people who didn't drink and sort of exploring the idea of not drinking. And so sober curious for me began, um, really as that, as curiosity, you know, I was feeling this impulse to not drink and that started more in the late fall after I did the, um, combo jungle medicine treatment that I talk about in my first episode. But, um, I think it culminated, the combo helped culminate many, many, many years of thoughts and feelings that I had had and have had about my own drinking. And what we know is that in the past, there have been two ways to be sober or to be an alcoholic. And the only, option for people really for getting sober has been the program AA, which is an amazing program that has, gosh, been an incredible resource and game changer and, um, path for so many people. And I don't have anything disparaging to say about it. Everything I know about it is wonderful. And the people in my life who've benefited from it really and truly have benefited from it and um, continue to. And I've learned a ton through osmosis and even more than osmosis from from them. So I'm I, I think it's a wonderful, incredible program that works so well for a lot of people. But what I learned this year by diving into sober curiosity and then diving more into, um, you know, reading about, um, 
not drinking and it becoming more of a really popular topic than it ever had been. It had always been so taboo. I mean, you guys know that no one talked openly about not drinking or about having a problem with drinking. It was not something that even two years ago, much less five or 10 or 15 or 20 or 25, where you would walk into a room and say, I don't drink, you know, I don't like to drink or I, um, you know, struggle with drinking or I have a difficult relationship with alcohol or I feel healthier without it or um, my dad's an alcoholic so I just like to stay away from it. None of those things did you say comfortably in a room. I, I don't know anyone who ever felt comfortable doing that and this year has changed. The discourse has completely changed. And Sober Curious, the book, um, along with some other, um, some other books, um, that have come out this year. Um, and unfortunately I don't have them at my fingertips to reference, but I will circle back with a couple, um, of other books that are great, but Sober Curious is the biggest one that sort of was the turning point for me. But, um, the discourse has changed. People are publishing books, women, my age and in their thirties and, and a lot of people in their twenties are, um, coming out about not wanting to drink and not because they identify as alcoholics or have had to go to rehab or, uh, feel that the only choice is to quit drinking. Um, but instead, because they are making a different choice for their lifestyle, for their health, for their joy. Um, and that's something really, really new. And, um, actually it's been Instagram that has, that has opened the, um, doors for me to learn so much and find a community and to go down the rabbit hole of women and men of all all ages and, um, walks of life who are living soberly or sober curiously. And, um, of course, many of them are in recovery or in the program, but many, 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 many of them are just in this place where they are exploring a life free of alcohol because it brings them greater joy and connection, um, and presence to do so. So it's been really cool finding that community on Instagram and you know how it goes. You find one person and then you go to the next and the next and the next, (coughs) excuse me. And there's this amazing community of women, um, primarily, you know, that's who I keep landing on. Um, these women who, who have created this community and have this incredible, conversation going about a life that, um, that is alcohol free. And that's how people refer to it. Alcohol free AF, which I also love because they say AF, AF, alcohol free as fuck, you know, um, just, it's cute. So there's just a lot happening in there. Um, for anyone who's interested, you could just, um, gosh, start with Ruby Warrington and go, go from there to find, 
dozens and dozens and dozens of awesome accounts of people who have just started living soberly in the last year. So for me, that was a huge way of sort of diving in and finding more people who were saying things that I connected with and more people who are living in the same way that I'm living. And I guess what I would say to you, um, because I'm completely, you know, candid about everything that I'm going through is that where I am with this is that I don't identify, um, I don't personally identify as being an alcoholic, whatever the, I guess, definition of it is, is different for everyone. Um, I think a lot of the ways that I describe or would describe for myself or for you, the way that I feel about drinking could be, um, defined, I guess, as uh, a textbook alcoholic definition. Um, and that, that may be the case, but I, I, um, I think that everyone's sort of, um, where they are with it and what their definition of it for themselves is different. And, um, and I'll tell you where I am and why I feel this way. So I've learned, um, more about this concept of quote unquote gray area drinking and what the sober community has, um, identified that as, um, is something where it's not, someone who needs to be in rehab or necessarily has to be sober in order to save their life, like can't function with alcohol, can't function without it, without, um, you know, serious, um, very focused groups every day. And, um, you know, or someone whose life was in danger, um, someone who was losing jobs, losing their family, um, at risk of hurting themselves. Um, someone who may have a chemical reaction to it. It makes them, you know, more prone to being addictive or more prone to having adverse effects from it. Um, I guess what I'm doing there is, is identifying some of the things that may be textbook definitions of quote unquote alcoholics. Um, so the idea has been that there are alcoholics and then there are people who just don't drink and gray area drinking is absolutely everything in between. It's everything from, you know, the mom who, or the woman or the young girl who has a glass of wine every night after work, um, to, to the person who doesn't drink at all during the week and never at home and then has five drinks, uh, or more each night on the weekends or the person who, you know, never, ever, ever drinks, but then goes to a wedding every four months and, uh, or a party every three or four months and gets shit faced there. Um, so gray area drinking is everything in between not drinking and then being an alcoholic, identifying as someone who is an alcoholic going to AA, which is the program. Um, so, um, or I guess the best known program. So that's what I'll speak to. Um, yeah, so that's what I've learned about. And I think I identified a lot with the notion of gray area drinking someone. Um, I am someone who has drunk alcohol regularly without a break more than 30 days. I did a 30 day break two or three times. Um, you know, under the guise of a cleanse a couple times, you know, whole 30, but mostly just to, um, see if I could do it, 
you know, um, take it out of my life and see how I felt. So I have consumed alcohol regularly since I was in high school. Um, but I'll just go with 18 when I started college as the regular drinking. And it was, I would say far beyond regular. I mean, I was someone who was in an environment that was, um, ripe with binge drinking. Um, I've thought a lot about my own generation and how we are a generation that was, um, binge drinking, just drinking so much in high school and college and in our twenties. And I'm not sure how that came to be. And that's something I want to do a little bit more thinking about and a little bit more research on before I try and talk about that. But that's something that's changing a lot. So I think it's really interesting that I can identify with being from a generation of kids who binge drank regularly and it was very, very common. And more than that, just seen as very, very normal. Um, and the kids who didn't were square, you know, we didn't use that word, but they were not cool. They were boring. We might say lame. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the ugly truth about how we, um, my friends and I thought about those people. And there would be people who hung out with us who drank less, but it was all pretty much on this same level of, you know, starting college anyway, like it's Thursday night and it's the weekend and we're going to drink as much as we possibly can. And it was only because my body was so young that I could do that and then get up and function and work hard and do well in school. And, um, and that just continued into my twenties. I mean, so much drinking in my twenties in New York and I managed to have a career and build a career, but every free minute I had, I was drinking, um, you know, mostly again, Thursday nights, um, or weekends, but the days that I wasn't drinking, I was counting the days until I was out drinking again, out partying with my friends. And that was the focus of my life. Um, yes, I went to the gym. Yes, I had relationships. Yes, we did other things like I would go to the museums or maybe I would go to the theater or, um, you know, whatever it was, but it was always with the common denominator that the biggest thing that I did and my friends and I did in our free time was drink full stop. That is the truth. And so I was in New York city for five years and then I came to Durham and started my life here. And, um, you know, for the first oh, seven years I was in Durham, I didn't have children. I wasn't pregnant. And, um, I worked hard and was an event planner, but you know, it was just about food and drink. Like what we did was go out to restaurants and eat and drink and have parties at home. And, um, and so it was just always a really constant part of my life. But what I should say about that is that it was a constant part of my life, but also one that I thought about way too much and too often, meaning I knew every single um, amount that I consumed every night. 
I kept track of it. It was something I was careful about, mindful of, or even when I wasn't careful about it. And it would go on and on. And I would have however many drinks and have a crazy night and wasn't sure how the night ended and woke up and felt terrible. I would still try and track how many drinks I had. I would think about how many days it was in between the last time I drank and when I was going to next drink, I would try and balance out one night to the next. Um, I would make goals about drinking less. I would make promises about drinking less. I would choose different things to drink. Um, in order to try and get less drunk or more drunk or um, consume fewer calories. It was always a conversation of some kind in my mind. And I've heard people talk about that a lot, um, about the quote-unquote thinking about drinking, that really um, people who have some sort of issue with alcohol can relate to that feeling of thinking about drinking. And people who don't have that sort of proclivity to have an addiction or have a difficult relationship with alcohol or an uncomfortable relationship with alcohol, they don't think about it. They just do it. It's not an issue. So there are so many different kinds of drinkers, um, so many different ways of drinking, but I absolutely, totally, and completely do identify as someone who has always, um, since really like young adulthood, since, since college probably had the relationship with it, where I thought about how much I was doing it, um, and had many, many thoughts through the years about, um, the fact that I was doing it too much or too much in that one night. You know, I never became a person who was drinking every day. I, I never became a person who was hiding it. I guess I did have times maybe as a mom and making it through life with young children where there were times where I had wine every day for sure. Um, you know, there were periods when I, of course, when I was pregnant, I didn't drink at all and I didn't crave it. And there were periods with young babies where I didn't drink much at all, but there were absolutely still many moments of binging. Um, and, and then, you know, times where you just fall into that trap of like, I'm a mom, life is hard. Being a mom is hard. Kids are crazy. I need to drink and like drinking wine every day and still had that culture of like, you know, drinking as an escape and with my friends. So, you know, it's just been a big part of my life and it's very nuanced and it's very complicated and it's hard to lay it all out in one podcast and, and, and probably it will be something that I'll continue to talk about because this is the first time and I'm just sort of laying it all out there and it's free flowing. But, um, it's just to say that it has been an uncomfortable relationship in my life for many years. And I would say over the past five years, I've managed it where it's been something in my life where it's, um, less uncomfortable, but there are still many moments and have been many, many moments where, um, I've had the nights where I've just way overconsumed and, um, you know, and I wake up feeling terribly about it. That's the other thing is that people's bodies metabolize it differently. I am someone who has suffered from terrible hangovers for as long as I can remember. Um, 
since at least in my early 20s in New York. And I also suffer from something that people are also starting to talk about more openly now since the discourse on drinking is becoming so much more open and honest. Um, something that people are calling hangxiety instead of anxiety, like hangover anxiety. And I just read this article in The Guardian, the newspaper from London that this scientist wrote about um, the the science of anxiety and and what the chemical reaction really is in your brain when you're drinking alcohol and how that high comes and that joy comes and then how it actually chemically changes what's happening in your brain and how you can be left with this anxiety which is something that for years I felt debilitating anxiety the next day and that's not something I would talk about honestly or openly because of course it had meant that I had um, consumed a lot of alcohol um, in order to then end up feeling the anxiety, but it was absolutely awful, awful. It's, it's the worst anxiety you can imagine if you've ever had a panic attack or you're feeling a lot of fear about something that you've, you can't control or that you're worried about happening or um, impending doom. Um, and on top of that, your body feels like you're on death's door and you're really shaky and going through withdrawal from what you've done. And it's just all together. Absolutely awful. And I will tell you in my most challenging moments, the last six months of not drinking, you know, where I've here and there had these moments where I'm really like, I'm actually not going to make it through the next moment without a glass of wine. Like I actually need two bottles of wine to make it through the next moment. What has gotten me through those moments is a couple things. One, breathing, knowing that that moment is short-lived, moments don't last, they pass. And two, the visceral, I'm getting like my heart's racing just thinking about it right now, the visceral um, feeling, the remembering of the debilitating anxiety I would feel the next day after drinking. And that would be really after not one or two glasses of wine, but three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I guess eight is like two bottles. I wouldn't usually go past that, but guys, that's a shitload of alcohol. And that's, that's not something anyone should be doing in one day. Um, I don't believe, uh, and, and that happened more times than I care to try and remember, you know, um, So I'm really at peace with talking about all of this right now, really comfortable talking about it all right now, because I have um, gone through a major journey over the last six months of not drinking and choosing not to drink and, um, and therefore feeling all my feelings, um, and getting really honest with myself about what my not drinking means and what my relationship with alcohol was and is, what it might be, um, and why I benefit so much from not drinking, why I feel so good without it, um, and really getting to a very honest, honest place, um, over all this time and feeling all these feelings about the fact that, um, I am not someone who can drink comfortably. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's a hard place to get to and even hard and weird to say, you can hear my voice because there are plenty of times in my life and have been plenty of days and weeks and months where, you know, I'll go out and have just a glass or just two glasses. I am a person who's capable of doing that, but it almost doesn't matter because what is always there, what the baseline is, what's always there in me is the thinking about drinking. It's the, well, I went out and I only had a glass or two. That was awesome. You know, and, and it has to be a thought. It has to be something I work on. It has to be something I'm mindfully choosing to do. And so it just has required so much time and energy and effort to maintain my relationship with alcohol, to keep it at a place where it's not out of hand or when it's out of hand, you know, managing my life with that and how I feel about that. Um, you know, you can, you know, from this podcast and from knowing me that I have been a mom for the last eight years, you know, and got pregnant nine years ago. So, uh, clearly my difficult relationship with alcohol carried long into having children. Um, you know, my kids are about to turn six and eight. So I've worked through a lot of this, um, after having many years of them in my life while challenging, um, my life with the relationship of alcohol. So, um, you know, I've, I've been through being in high school, in college, a young 20 something, you know, finding my way, being a young married person, struggling with fertility, building a, a successful career, a business, having children, being a mom, all the while thinking about drinking and struggling with my relationship with it. So I can't put too fine a point on the fact that removing alcohol from my life has been incredibly freeing because what it did was take away all of the conversations that I was constantly having in my mind about drinking or not drinking. It was constantly there. It was like a CNN ticker in my brain. Like, oh, good for you. You haven't had a drink in seven days. You haven't had a drink in 10 days. You haven't had a drink in 14 days. Oh, okay. So you had a bottle of wine today. Okay. That's cool. Cause you haven't had a drink in 14 days. Okay. Now we're just going to have a glass of wine today. Okay. Oh, now it's been four days that I've had a glass of wine every day. Okay. What are we doing this weekend? Okay. Maybe I'll just drink, just drink vodka because that's fewer calories. Okay. No, now I'm doing whole 30. So I'm not drinking, but maybe I'll just drink tequila cause there's no sugar or we're going out to dinner. So, okay. Am I going to drive? Am I going to not drive? Am I going to Uber? How many drinks can I have? I have a meeting tomorrow. Okay. If I have three drinks, then I'm not going to want to exercise in the morning. Okay. I'm not going to exercise tomorrow morning. I'll do it the day after. I mean, when I tell you, it's like a crazy person. I mean, didn't that sound like insanity? It's a loop of conversation about alcohol nonstop. And that's what was in my brain. So what I did was I removed it. And not only did I make so much space in my brain to think about and ruminate on other things, 
But I also gave myself clarity and presence of mind and presence of body and presence of spirit and the feeling of being constantly, consistently aware of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm behaving, what's happening in my world, what's happening with my children and my husband, what's happening with my relationships, with my career, with my clients, with my body, with my hopes and dreams, my hobbies, my future, our house, our travel, my aging parents, my sister, my friends. I mean, it just has given me my life to be sober. It's given me my life because I am not thinking about anything other than my life, my present life, and I'm not distracted by feeling bad or anticipating feeling bad or beating myself up for drinking too much or beating myself up for saying the wrong thing, or beating myself up for eating a cheeseburger when I was drunk, or eating a cheeseburger when I was hungover. There's been so much less self-loathing, so much less negative self-talk, so much less taking time and energy to do things that ultimately make me feel bad. And so for me, this quote unquote sober curiosity, which started as, yeah, I'm a person who feels curious about being sober. Yes, I'm a person who identifies with wondering what it might be like to stop drinking. Yes, I'm a person who wants to be more mindful about each drink I put into my mouth. And maybe I'll just be more mindful about those drinks. Maybe I'll just not drink for the next month and see how I feel. Now I'm a person who has been sober for only six or for not only for over six months and is really feeling great freedom and joy, experiencing great joy um, and feeling great just clarity and peace and power from that. I, I can't say it any better than that, you know, um, Recently, Brene Brown, who you know I love, came out um, or announcing that it was her, I think, 23rd year of sobriety. And she says that sobriety is her superpower. And I love that because there is such a sense of um, sort of pity or um, desperation that people who some people who drink can feel towards or about people who don't drink. And I can relate to that because I was one of those people like, Oh God, you're a person who can't drink. That sucks. That must suck for you because drinking is so fun and it feels so good and it's an escape. And how do you escape without it? How do you go to a party with it? How do you have a conversation with your parents without it? How do you, deal with being a mom without it. I mean, how do you not drink? What is life without alcohol? What is life without drinking? I was one of those people. I literally couldn't imagine living in the world without it. 
So there you go. That says something to you. But, you know, people who, who, who drink and who like to drink and who want to drink and who have zero intention to ever stop drinking, um, really do often look at people who don't drink, whether they choose not to, um, because they don't like it because they've never liked it or because they have a problem with it or because they want to feel healthy without it. You know, they look at those people like, Oh, I pity you. And Brene Brown's like, no guys, you don't get it. It's my superpower. It is the thing that has given me life, given me strength, given me power. And that's so much what I'm relating to right now. I just relate to it so, so much that while at many times it's been the hardest thing I've done because feeling your feelings all of the time is just about the hardest thing you can do. Um, it is also the strongest, most powerful thing I have ever done because I am just so much more in my own authenticity and my own power without it than I ever have been. Um, and I think that's what this all comes down to for me is that in this year and certainly in this six months since I've removed alcohol from my life, um, I have done many, many things, not the least of which are start this podcast, um, start a program to train to be a life coach, decide to be a life coach, um, you know, just decide to live out loud in a way that, that, that feels authentic to myself and to, to be myself in a way openly and honestly that I never have been before. And I feel so super proud of that. Um, and, you know, in just touching briefly again on what I mentioned before about my generation being being drinkers, I don't think that it's just my generation. I think this more speaks to alcohol in general and why people might start drinking. But I've had a major realization over the last few months in thinking about my drinking, about why I personally started drinking and I know that it was to fit in. It was to not feel like an other. It was to fit in with the crowd, fit in with what people were doing, and also to um, feel more comfortable. Once I realized how comfortable it made me, um, even though it was a false sense of comfort, um, I, I did it a lot because it made me feel more confident, more outgoing. It made me feel funnier. It made me feel more um, pretty. Later, it made, you know, made me feel sexier, more confident. Did I already say confident? Um, it just, it gave me, or I felt that it gave me all of the things that I wasn't without it. Um, and I know that 20 years ago, I wouldn't have told you, oh, it's giving me all these things that I can't have without it. I couldn't have told you that, but that's certainly how I felt. And that was my experience. And it's taken me to be 43 years old, 43, my year of awakening to realize like, oh my God, this girl, look at you. You turn to it in order to become something more, something different, something that you saw as different and better and more, um, and that really, you're already all these things. 
Like I am getting more back to the authentic self that I was at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and who I always was in these last six months. I'm getting to the core of the person that I always have been just with the alcohol filter removed. I'm getting back to my authentic self and it was always good enough. That's some serious self-love, guys. But it's hard being an adolescent. It's hard being in your early 20s. It's hard being a mom. It's hard being a person living in life. Um, It's easy to think that alcohol can make you better, prettier, more successful, more outgoing, more confident, a better, more patient mom. Um, And for me, that's just not the case. It's just not the case for me. I am really so happy to be who I am without it. I'm thankful to be who I am without it. I'm thankful to be stripped of it and to be uh, back to just being me without it. Um, And this is my story. You know, this is not about me passing judgment on anyone else's relationship with drinking and enough of my dear friends have been around me um, over the last six months to know that I'm not trying to proselytize or change anyone's behavior Um, my husband sells alcoholic cider for a living Um, you know I am surrounded by people who comfortably drink alcohol regularly Um, There are a lot of people around me who also uncomfortably drink alcohol regularly. And I know that from them sharing it with me, not because I'm passing judgment. I'm saying everyone has their own story. Everyone has his or her, their own story. And this is my story. And this is what I've come to find about myself over the last six months by removing alcohol. And when I tell you I'm grateful to be in this moment, I, I mean, I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful for my health, my clarity, my mental, spiritual wellness, well-being, I've gotten myself off of all of my um, anxiety and depression medication. I've been able to find my own baseline by becoming my authentic self and and finding my own uh, joy and, again, baseline without alcohol. Um, As an aside, I am not opposed to medication if I need it again, but I'm just saying... I have uh, really found great power and strength and health and joy in removing alcohol from my life. And I can't, I just can't tell you enough how wonderful it's been for me. So everyone has their own story and I, I, I speak for myself and I speak to you with this candor and um, this vulnerability uh, because the whole reason for sharing all of this is that if I can help someone else, it's meaningful as much as it's a diary for a moment in my life. And perhaps one day my boys will listen to it and understand their mom a little bit more, um, which would be cool. But 
yeah, I'm here for anyone who wants to reach out to talk about this more. Um, and I do want to talk about it again in another podcast and have it be an ongoing conversation and see how it goes for me. Because I'll say, you know, today I'm not drinking and it feels absolutely like the right thing for me today. And I believe it will tomorrow, but it'd be interesting to revisit it in three months. And then another six months when I hit a year and, um, you know, kind of see how my life is, is going without it. Um, but I do know that I can only change myself. And that's something I talk about a lot now. Right. And that, you know, I have to be in my own good feeling place in order to feel good. It has nothing to do with the people around me. So, um, I do, I do suggest that if you're someone who struggles with alcohol, there's no shame in reaching out for help in a very real way. If you need real help stopping, um, meaning more than reading a book and, meditating and doing yoga and looking at Instagram and going to therapy. I mean, it is okay to need real help and there are people out there for that. Um, but you got to trust your gut about these things. And I, I definitely had something in my gut telling me for years that something needed to change. And I'm very thankful that I, um, listened to that and gave it a shot. You know, you'll never know until you try something. So, now is the time when I need to go pick up my little boys from school and wrap this up with you for the day. Um, that was a lot. And thank you for letting me be vulnerable and share it with you honestly. And I hope that, you know, if it wasn't enlightening or awakening or resonating for you on any level, that at least maybe it was an interesting story. And I just think that, you know, with us being more honest about our struggles, about things across the board everywhere, no matter what that struggle is, no matter what that story is, it just helps make everyone's life better because they know that they're not alone. And, um, I know that I'm not alone in this. I am, I am here with you. So, oh, thank you. I love you all. I hope you can take some time for yourself. You know, I'm about to go get myself an iced coffee because it's 3 p.m. So there I go. And hopefully um, a new manicure here sometime soon. So sending lots of love out there to you and love and light and hugs and good energy. Um, and I'll be back with you again very soon. Bye. Yeah.